He'll do that. Well, if you're going to get it done in 2023, you better tighten it up. Because it's about to run out on you. Uh, we're going to, this will be our closing service here. But we want to talk about really the fast that's coming up in just a few days. And I want to talk to you today about the benefits and blessings of fasting. If you'd, find, if you'd go with me to the book of Joel, chapter 2. I put in the bulletin 12 and 13, but I told Julia, you go ahead and put up there on through verse 17. I'm going to read a little bit more. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Surrender your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and let the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord. Do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Whenever I was in, uh, I think we learned about the different types of sentences in elementary school, probably third, fourth, fifth grade, somewhere in there. And one of them's interrogative, interrogative or interrogative sentences. That's sentences that are questions. And most questions either start with a who, what, when, where, how, or why. Now, why is the most difficult to me of all questions because you're asking for a reason for something, the reason behind something. Children can ask us why questions that we can't even answer. Uh, they can just, just, they ask hundreds of them. Why do people smile when they have their picture taken? Why do people hate the sound of their voice on tape? Why do people laugh? Why do people blush? Why do people yawn? Why do we remember our dreams sometimes and we can't remember them sometimes? Why do some birds fly south and some don't fly south? Why this? Why that? And so uh, there's a lot of why questions. We're going to talk today about why do we fast? What's the purpose of this? Now here's a definition uh, of fasting. We're going into 21 days of prayer and fasting, but why? Here's the definition abstaining from food and drink for a specific period of time to humble yourself before God and to draw closer to Him and to strengthen your prayers. Food plays a big part in our life. We all know that. If you don't believe it's hard in your life, you try to do without it, and we all think we're going to die. One, little, one man was going to fast for the week, and his daughter saw that he wasn't eating supper with him, his little girl, and she said, Daddy, why aren't you eating? Uh, he said, I'm fasting, honey, for this week. I'm not going to eat for this week. And she said, she started crying. She said, why are you doing that, Daddy? If you do that, you'll die. If you don't eat, you'll die. He said, no, honey, I'm fasting. They did this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. She said, yeah, and all of them have died too. And so a lot of times we feel like we're going to die when it comes to fasting. Food is a big part of our lives. I have never... I'd probably go to my grave never having do, done this, but I've never had a Starbucks coffee in my life. 
<laughs> anyway, the chief global marketing officer of Starbucks says they have over 80,000 combinations of coffee. I thought it was just caffeine and decaf. Or I thought that was basically it. McDonald's, when they opened up in 1955, the largest drink they had was seven ounces. Today it's over 40 ounces. Uh, the USDA says between the age of 25 and 50, the average person spends 28,000 hours eating. I don't spend that much time because I eat a lot quicker than most people. But we do eat a lot. Uh, Everything we do revolves around food. Business deals are sometimes cut while people are having lunch together. You know, we go to ball games to watch games, but we want popcorn, peanuts, hot dogs, or we may tailgate before the game starts. We have fine dining. We have picnics, TV dinners, fast food, everything you can imagine. Ed, Eric Slosher said this in the book, Fast Food Nation, he said, the annual health care cost for obesity, because we're so overweight in this country, is $24 billion a year just because we eat too much. The average America spends $35 to $40 billion a year on weight loss in diet products. So we're trying to battle this constantly. Why do we fast? What's the purpose of this prayer and fasting? Is it necessary? Is it important? Why don't we just have a New Year's resolution and start eating anyway. Uh, why can't we just pray while we got to fast? Well, let's talk about that today, and let's uh, prepare ourselves for the 21 days we've got ahead of us. Fasting throughout history. Fasting is a forgotten part of Christianity in many ways. Now, a lot of people don't even know what you're talking about when you talk about fasting. It's a discipline that's kind of been shunned. Many people overlook it. Some people believe it doesn't really do anything is not for us. Let me give you four reasons people are against fasting. Some are against it doctrinally. They don't believe it's doctrinal. They, they view fasting like they view tithing. A lot of people view tithing as an Old Testament concept and not for the church. They believe today the church is supposed to be practicing grace giving, not tithing. That was for the Jews under their economy and, their, and the law and so forth. And they believe that about fasting. Fasting was something done in the Old Testament and, and seen a little bit in the New Testament, but really not something we do nowadays. Now we got the Word of God and all this. I disagree with all that. Anyway, but that's some people doctrinally don't think it's necessarily a part of our life. Some say it's for extreme people. They look at fasting like people that go to be a monk in a monastery and get away and separate themselves from the world. They, that's what fasting is to them. It's people doing extreme things that are uh, abstaining from civilization. They're abstaining from things like food. And they don't think that's for normal Christians. Some people think there's legalism tied to it. Fasting is just a way for self-righteous people to show how righteous they are and to manipulate God and to show how holy they are. Uh, there's a lot of legalism in a lot of things. I, heard, I read one thing this past week talking about fasting. One preacher says he doesn't believe if you brush your teeth while you're fasting, your fasting doesn't count. So uh, everybody's got weird, weird, unscriptural things. And personal reasons. Some people believe, why give up food and drink for things? Because we have to depend on food to survive. Uh, that's just part of life. But most people depend on food when they're anxious, when they're bored, when they're depressed, 
and everything else. Yeah, but the church tells us we can't smoke, we can't drink, we can't chew. Now you tell us we can't eat. Meddling everything in our life. Well, we're going to look at this today and kind of look at what the purpose of fasting is. Fasting and great people of God. Jesus said this to his disciples. When you fast. He didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. So he expected his followers to be fasting from time to time for certain occasions. He expected that of us. If you study church history just in the last few hundred years, you're going to find how big a thing fasting was throughout uh, the lives of men and women that shook continents for Jesus Christ. Let me give you some examples. Charles Finney. There have been two considered great awakenings in church in American history. The second great awakening, there was a man named Charles Finney that was a very popular evangelist, revivalist. He believed very strongly in fasting. Now, one thing about Charles Finney, they say the people that got saved in his ministry, 80% of them were serving the Lord a year later, whereas modern-day evangelists, be fortunate if there's 20% that's serving the Lord a year after. They haven't. He preached very hard on repentance, and you needed to repent and come clean before the Lord so the Lord could wash you and, and give your heart to him. Anyway, uh, if he felt there was power lacking in his ministry, he would go on a fast for two or three days. John Wesley, he required all Methodists to fast every Wednesday and Friday until at least 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And he would not ordain anyone into the ministry that didn't fast at least one day a week. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he fasted one day each week. Azusa Street outpouring where uh, the Holy Ghost was poured out in Azusa Street in California. It affected so many, uh, the Pentecostal movement and charismatic movement around the world and so forth. That great outpouring began with 10 days of prayer and fasting. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, the late Bill Bright, he's, he's gone on to be with the Lord. For the last years of his life, he fasted 40 days and nights each year for this nation. He, he gave himself to fasting for the, for the work of God. Now, fasting, is yeah, that's more modern days. What about in the Bible? Fasting throughout the Bible. The Jews were required to fast on the Day of Atonement, according to Leviticus 23. It was a sign of humility and repentance. That was the holiest day of the year. Moses fasted for 40 days on two occasions without food or water. That's very unusual. Abraham's servant fasted when he went out to look for a bride for Isaac. Hannah fasted because she could not have children. And God answered her prayer and her fasting and gave her a son named Samuel. David fasted on several occasions. Elijah fasted after the victory over Jezebel. Queen Esther fasted whenever the Jewish people were facing extinction. Nehemiah fasted when he was going to go back to Jerusalem, rebuild the walls, and on and on. There's many, many different examples. Well, what about the New Testament? You're talking about the Old Testament. All right, let's talk about the New Testament a little bit. Jesus began his ministry after being baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. He began his ministry with 40 days in the wilderness fasting. Look at Matthew 4. 1 and 2. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Paul was on the road to Damascus when he was knocked off his horse, blinded by the light, had this tremendous conversion. He fasted for three days. 
God sent Ananias to him, prayed for him, prayed for his healing of his sight. Uh, he was saved. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's what it says in Acts chapter 9, verses 8 through 12. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Ananias baptized Saul. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here am I, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight, and require of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Okay, there's another case of a man fasting. The church at Antioch was ministering to the Lord and fasting. They were worshiping, praising God, and the Holy Ghost called uh, some special people to the ministry, Paul and Barnabas, or Saul and Barnabas. Here's what it said in Acts 13, 1 and 2. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. He called them to the ministry of missions uh, uh, to take the gospel around the world after a time of fasting and worshiping the Lord. Paul and Barnabas, when they would go on their missionary journey and establish a church, they would pray and fast before they'd set an elder or a pastor in that church. In Acts chapter 14, verse 23, it says this, And when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So prayer and fasting is not only in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament, it's been throughout church history. This is not some wacky, uh, strange belief that somebody's come up with in the last few years or anything like this. Now, how not to fast. The Bible gives us two big chunks of scriptures about how not to fast. Uh, one in, a big one in the Old Testament and a big one in the New Testament. Now, fasting is not a magic formula. It's not a way to manipulate God. It's not a way that you can, uh, a shortcut to a miracle or something like that. There's two major teachings, and it's going to tell us how not to fast or what we should abstain from. In Isaiah chapter 58, they were struggling. They were fasting, and God wasn't doing anything. And so he told them in Isaiah 58 uh, why he was not doing anything in verse 3 and 4. Now, this is the Living Bible. It says, we have fasted before you. They're asking God, why aren't you doing anything? Look at all the fasting we've been doing. They say, why aren't you impressed? Why don't you see our sacrifices? Why don't you hear our prayers? We have done much penance, and you don't even notice it. And the Lord said, I'll tell you why. Because you're living in evil pleasure even while you're fasting, and you keep right on oppressing your workers. Uh, look, what good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. So they're wondering why in the world we're doing everything we know to do, fasting and praying, and God's not doing anything. What's the purpose of this? Heard one time of a woman and, uh, and her husband been having some difficulty, and uh, she said, we're going to get together and talk. I want, you're going to listen to me. 
and we're going to talk, and we're going to get this thing sorted out, whatever problem they were having. And so she began to talk and talk, and she went on 15, 20 minutes, and, and she said, I don't know, I'm having a lot of difficulty. I apologize. I'm having difficulty putting into the words what I'm trying to say. He said, don't worry about it. I haven't been listening anyway. So anyway, a lot of times uh, that's the way we feel God is. We're talking and talking, and God's not listening. That's the way they felt, and God said, I'm going to tell you why. They were not responding with an attitude of humility and repentance and brokenness. Let me say this. I believe with all my heart God wants to answer prayer. You say, well, God answers about one out of every ten. About ten percent is about all I ever get. I believe he, he, he wants to answer all of them. Now, he may answer them at a time that you're not expecting, and he may answer them in a way that you're not anticipating, but I believe God wants to answer prayer. If your prayers or my prayers are not getting answered, James says there's two reasons. He says because you're not asking. If you're not praying, you're not going to get, any, you're not going to get something. But you're asking amiss. You're just asking selfishly, your own selfish lusts, and, and you're doing it just to consume it on your own selfish interests. In other words, if you've got children that come, every time your child comes to ask for something they want to do, you don't say yes all the time because... It's not necessary or whatever they're doing. And he said, that's, that's why a lot of your prayers aren't getting answered. It's just self-centered praying. Uh, but I believe God wants to answer our prayers. So if our prayers are not getting answered and our fasting and praying is not getting answered, there's something wrong. Now, in this passage of Scripture in, in Isaiah 58, he said, you're fasting, but it's a fast that I did not choose. And then he's going to give them, and I'm going to give you nine things in this little passage of Scripture here, a lot of people ask me, I don't know what to pray and fast about. Really? Let me give you nine things they were not doing a good job on, but nine things that are very important to pray and fast about if you've got your heart in the right place. So let's look at Isaiah 58. We're going to start at verse 6. You need to fast for people that are in bondage. Look at verse 6a. This is not the fast that I have chosen. That's why he's, he said your, your, your attitude and your uh, lifestyle is not in line for the fast. That's not what I chose for you. But you're supposed to fast to loose the bonds of wickedness. Now, there's a lot of people that are in bondage. There's a lot of people that can't break free. They're bound. They could be a, a demonic oppression. It could be they're bound in their habits uh, their flesh, whatever it may be, but they're bound and they don't seem to be able to break out of it. Jesus chastised his disciples one time because they couldn't cast the demons out of a little boy. And uh, he rebuked them for that, but when he got alone with them, he said, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. So a lot of times we need to be praying. That's one of the things you can be praying about when you're during this 21 day. People that you know that are in bondage for God to set some people free. Number two, for answers that are extremely difficult. Look at verse 6 again. To undo heavy burdens. We have problems all the time. We all have problems every day of our life. Some problems, we just go, we take care of most of them ourselves, but sometimes they're problems you can't handle by yourself. Too big a load to carry. And uh, you, need, you need the help of God. You need God to come through. I'm going to give you all some illustrations about remodeling your home today. And I'm going to uh, uh, just give you, because it's fresh on my mind. Uh, we looked like the two, two stooges of the three stooges the other day. 
we've always had uh, in our bedrooms, we've always had carpet. Well, now we've got flooring, and my wife says we've got to get a rug to put under the bed. I said, why? Well, you just got rid of the carpet because I don't want to step out on cold hardwood floor or cold floor. So we should have got the, the rug before we put the bed in there. So we got a king-size bed in there. Now watching us put a rug under that bed, that was quite comical. <laughs> and uh, first of all, I said, I'm, I, I was trying to pick the bed up, say this is the bed, and you get under and roll it under there. <laughs> I said, it was too heavy. I said, we got to take some of these mattresses off. And that mattress weighed 100 and something pounds, I guarantee you. And we rolled it up against the wall. I said, I hope it don't fall on us and kill us both here uh, laying. We rolled the mattress up. I said, okay, I'm going to. She said, you got to get out of the, you got to back up. I can't roll it out. I said, I cannot pick that bed up like this. I said, maybe I can pick it up and jump. When I jump, you roll it. And uh, we, were, <laughs> we were trying all kinds of things to get that. It was a heavy burden. Uh, but we finally, we finally got it under there after about 15, 20 minutes of twisting and turning. But we need to fast for burdens that are heavy, that are not moving. And we need to see God move. Here's number three. Fast. I put fast for revival and lost souls. Look at verse 6c. Let the oppressed go free. We want to pray for people that need the freedom of comes in Jesus Christ. Uh, I read this this week. Emperor penguins, they're down there in Antarctica. The male penguin, after the female lays the egg, she goes into the water to eat and all the together stuff to bring back eventually to feed them. But the male penguin guards and incubates that egg until it, the, the penguin's born for up to 100 days without eating. And uh, it's really an amazing thing. I tell you what, if we would fast and pray, we may see more new beings come into the kingdom of God. Let me say this. A.W. Tozer said this, and I really believe it. He said, I don't believe anybody gets saved that isn't being prayed for by somebody. Uh, my, my father... He gave his heart to Jesus at the age of 40. His mother prayed for him. He said many times he heard her in there praying for him when he was a teenager growing up. She died in 1970. He got saved in 1973. She never saw an answer to her prayers. But I'm telling you, prayers are eternal. They don't die when we die. They're still before the throne of grace. When we pray and fast for lost souls to come into the kingdom of God, I believe it makes all the difference in the world. So you ought to be praying for the oppressed to go free, for those who are lost to come into the kingdom of God. Number four, fast to break, I'm going to say mental and emotional issues, that you would break every yoke is the phrase I want to look at. Now, we, we uh, to a lot of people, mental and emotional things are not big deals to us. The Bible talks a lot about our mind. We're supposed to have our mind renewed. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
The mind is a terrible thing to waste, and we waste a lot of it. When I'm talking about mental or emotional issues, I'm talking about anxiety, depression, loneliness, unforgiveness, fear, anger, regrets, and on and on and on. We spend a lot of time praying for the outward things, and there's a lot of people got a lot of inward things going on, and they've got some yokes that need to be broken. Uh, we had my wife, I asked my wife yesterday, let's have chili. It was cool and cold. I like chili and cold weather. So we had chili uh, last night. And I'm going to eat it after, for lunch today, Lord willing. Uh, but what if I ate a bowl of chili and just didn't eat it all, left a little chili in the bowl, and we just put the bowls aside, we didn't wash them, or we washed the outside of them real nice and pretty but they're dried and crusty on the inside. And this morning I wanted to eat some cereal, so I just poured some cereal on top of that old dried, crusty chili and put some milk in there. That's nasty, isn't it? <laughs> Don't want to do that. But that's the way, that's what Jesus said about the Pharisees. He said, you clean the outside real pretty, but inside you don't even deal with that. And a lot of times we're so busy cleaning up the outside or looking at the outside things that we can see we're never praying for the inward problems people are having and the issues and emotional issues and things like that. So you need to be praying about that to break those yokes, uh, the mental and emotional baggage. That's a big issue in a lot of people's lives. Here's another thing you can pray fast to get about and pray about. Fast so you can help meet the needs of the less fortunate. Look at verse 7. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Look here, he mentions hungry, poor, naked, people that are less fortunate than us. That should be a part of what we're thinking about. We, we are me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. That's all we think about a lot of times, me, myself, and I. We're looking out for number one. We're looking out for ourselves. We talk about ourselves. We love ourselves. We're lovers of self more than lovers of God sometimes. We've got to be looking out for the needs of others too. And I know that's a big issue. And I know some people, there's reasons you don't want to help some people. I realize that. But we ought to be sensitive to the needs of those who are less fortunate around us uh, if, we're, if we're Christians. Because the Lord said, if you can't love your brother who you have seen, how can you love God who you haven't seen? So we've got we to be fasting for those that are less fortunate all around us. Number six, fast for greater insight into decisions. Here's what it says, that your light shall break forth like the morning. We need light. We need light to shine on. All of us have decisions to make. Some decisions are easy. We can make them easily. Some decisions are very big, and they're going to change the course of history for us in some way. And we need to pray and fast. One of the things God does when you pray and fast, he will give you insight and help you make some very tough decisions. He'll bring some light to that darkness. I always think of the old uh, illustration I gave years ago about this guy. He'd been saving up for two or three years to buy his girlfriend an engagement ring. And it was $5,000. I mean, it was a big thing. And it was a cold winter night. And... Uh, guy was coming by, and this guy was on his hands and knees underneath the, the, the nightlight looking for something. He said, what you looking for, buddy? He said, 
I just bought my girlfriend a $5,000 engagement ring, and I lost it. It took me three years to earn the money, and now I was going to give it to her tonight, and I'm trying to find it. He said, man, that's a bad thing. Let me help you. And they got down there in the cold and the snow and everything looking for this engagement ring, and they looked for about an hour and could not find it. He said, man, I don't know. You sure you lost it here? He said, no, I lost it about 100 yards over there, but this is the only light I could find. So a lot of times we need, we need some light to find things, and God will turn the light on for us and, and give us some direction in things. One of the things you need to be doing when you're fasting, if you've got tough decisions, pray and fast about it. Number seven, fast for healing of sickness. Verse eight, your healing shall spring forth speedily. Now, I've always said every time we have prayer requests, 95% of our prayer requests are for healing, physical healing. You don't ever hear anything about spiritual needs or things like that very seldom, but we do have physical needs. Pray for somebody, pray for them, they're in the hospital. So that's all we pray about. I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's big because God is the healer and God's a great physician, and that's one thing you may want to be fasting and praying about some physical illness or ailment in some way and bring it to the Lord. Number eight, here's one. Pray for a greater testimony or witness. Look at this one. And your righteousness shall go before you. Pray for God's righteousness to go before us instead of our righteousness. You know, I want to reflect the love of Jesus to people. I do want to, I don't want people to see me, but I want them to see Jesus. Now, we've had some people working on the house. They don't speak English, most of them. Uh, most of them are Mexican young men. And my wife would get on to me. I'll be telling them, saying something. And they, he, she said, they don't understand what you're saying. I said, okay. They were smiling. I thought they did. Uh, but and we, we, were, we were struggling on some of that. And uh, they did a good job, and they worked hard. And some of them would stay, they'd come there and work 12 hours sometimes. And uh, towards the end, they really started pushing it together. Anyway, our biggest problem, and it hurt me because it was a pastor. There was a pastor that had a part to do in the remodeling, and uh, he would not do what he said he was going to do. He said, I'm going to be there and finish this tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And he wouldn't show up. Or he'd call and we said, where were you? Well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be there at 10 o'clock. But that meant 10 o'clock three days from now. And he kept doing it. He did that four or five times. And I told the contractor, I said, I don't know what church he pastors, but I'm not going to his church. I said, if he, if he can't keep his word any better than that, and he was getting frustrated with him, too. He said, I agree with you. That's, I said, if you don't have your word, you don't have anything. And I was trying to communicate and trying to be friends with the, uh, the boys, even though we couldn't speak English, so I would say things like, gracias. <laughs> I, was showing, I was showing my Spanish. And, uh, and I even said, feliz Navidad. Uh, <laughs> and they'd say, Merry Christmas. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I, I, I thought, I don't want to be somebody that your word means nothing. You don't have any testimony. If you ain't showing no better example of Jesus than that. And so I said, I, you know, sometimes we get frustrated not going as fast as we want. Wish they'd done this and we shouldn't have done this. But I do want, 
a house is just a house, but your testimony is going to go on forever. And, and the last day they were there, I said, thank you for your job. And they come up and hug my neck. I want to represent Jesus as much as anything. Other things can come and go. We want to pray for a greater testimony or be a greater witness. Fast for divine protection. That's another thing we can fast for and pray about, God's protection. Look at verse 8. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Now, we all need his protection. we got the Secret Service protecting the president, vice president, and people in Senate and Congress and people like that. Um, God protects us. I do believe we have angelic protection. I do believe God protects us. God needs to protect our rear end, <laughs> our rear side. <laughs> because I'm telling you, the enemy's going to come from where you're not looking. And we need protection from that as much as anything. So anyway, in Isaiah 58, they were not getting any answers to prayer and fasting, and God was telling them why. And so I listed some of the things, kind of flipped it around and showed you the things that we need to be fasting and praying about with the right attitude. But in the New Testament, here's some things you're not supposed to do when you're fasting. Uh, Matthew 6, 16 through 18. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the number one thing in Matthew 6, this is the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, 7, and uh, Jesus talks about three great disciplines that sometimes get abused. One is giving alms, one is praying, and one is fasting. Giving alms is giving to help the poor and needy. Praying, we know what praying is. And uh, fasting, we're talking about that today also. He says, this is what you're not supposed to do when you do those three things. When you're giving alms, don't blow a trumpet to draw attention to yourself. Do it secretly. Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's giving. He's just trying to say, be secretive. Don't, you don't go out there for a public display to let everybody know what you're giving to draw attention to yourself. Don't do that, or you have your reward. Prayer, he says, don't stand on the street corner. Get in your closet. Don't use vain repetition. He tells them, what you're doing, that's the wrong way of doing it, and you have to get it straight. Fasting, he says, don't go and show, uh, don't go show or tell people how much you're fasting and disfigure your face and say, man, I'm suffering and all this to try to draw attention to yourself. Don't do it. He says, do your giving, do your praying, do your fasting, do it with sincerity, uh, be not, not hypocritically, not be genuine, be real, and don't draw attention to yourself. Now, why do we need to fast? One is to crucify the flesh. Fasting is not a tool to get God to do things or run errands for us. It's a way to deal with our flesh, to get it out of the way so the Spirit of God can work. A lot of us, we're blocking a lot of what God wants to do. When we were taking out the hot water heater, uh, put down some flooring there, 
I noticed when they put the hot water heater and all back in, we didn't have any water pressure. And I said, something's, I don't know what's wrong, but we don't have much water pressure. It was just lightly coming out. And they found out they took the, uh, the little cap end off the faucet, and there was grit and sand in the screen in the, that was being blocked, and it was keeping the water from coming out. When they got rid of the, the grit and sand there, came back out, and they, the pressure was good. There's a lot of things in our life in the flesh that's blocking what God's trying to do to flow through our lives. And so a lot of, lot of fasting is about dealing with the flesh, your old carnal flesh and nature, uh, to allow God to you know, be fully submitted to his will so he can really work in our life. So we do it to crucify the flesh. Number two, we do it to hear from God. I hear people say all the time, I wish I knew when God was speaking to me. I wish I could hear God speaking to me. I don't know if it's God. I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if it's the devil. I don't know what it is. I just can't hear it clearly. Fasting will help that. Sometimes you're getting yourself in a position where you can hear from God. A lot of people that live by an airport or live by a railroad track, after they've lived there a while, they don't hear the planes coming over. They've blanked it out somehow. They don't hear the train coming by because they've been there so long they've been able to blank it out. Sometimes we get so casual with God, we blanking him out. He's speaking to us a lot more than we're listening and we've been letting too many other things. Here's what Habakkuk 2.20 says. Uh, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. That's going to be one of our Wednesday, our Wednesday night class. Uh, there's a lot of voices crying out, and we need to be able to block those out so we can hear from God more clearly. Anybody think we need to hear from God today? Yes, yes we do. So we crucify the flesh. We, it helps us to hear God better. Helps us to have more power. Now, we've been given, as a child of God, we've been given all we need. We got the whole armor of God that Sister Susan's going to be talking about. We got the name of Jesus. We got the Word of God, which is our sword, our foundation. We got the Spirit of God, who not only is with us, He's in us. We've got a lot of things. But sometimes we just need more power in a situation because we're hindering the power. If you were to take a little bitty hammer, like you was hanging pictures in your house, little old tack hammer, and you put hammering these little small nails. That's okay for that job. But you take that little hammer, and now you're going to try to drive a 16-inch, 1-inch railroad spike with it. Bing! Bing! You could bang on that thing for weeks and months and never move that thing. You need a bigger hammer. And fasting is God saying, I'm going to help you get a bigger hammer in this situation. I'm going to bring more power to this situation. Now, let's look about preparation for fasting. I'm winding it down here shortly. There are many types of fasts in the Bible. There are partial fasts and there are full fasts. There are many different lengths of fasts. Some, sometimes they fasted for one day. Sometimes they fasted for three days. Sometimes they fasted for 21 days. Sometimes they fasted for 40 days. Now, what we do as a church is called the Daniel Fast. And it's based on Daniel uh, chapter 10, verse 3. Let's read it, and, so, and I'll explain it to you. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. That's where we get the three weeks, the 21 days. I was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food. <laughs> wow. No meat uh -oh, or wine came into my mouth. 
nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, the Daniel fast is not necessarily, you can if you want to, not necessarily skipping a meal every day or two meals every day or three meals every day, but it means, if nothing else, eliminating things that you like a lot or eliminating things that really attract you, have a a strong hold on your life. In other words, in the Daniel fast, a typical Daniel fast consists of eating like vegetables, fruit, legumes, whole grains, nuts, seeds. Somebody said nuts. That means I can get that pecan pie I've been wanting. Okay. Because, uh, it, you're eliminating meats and sugars and things like that. It doesn't have to be, but you're eliminating things anyway in your diet. He said, I didn't eat any good things. <laughs> if you're eating healthy things, that means it's not going to be good for you, good to you. Uh, now, some people say, I don't fast food, I fast other things. And there's nothing wrong with that, but food should have a part in it. Uh, because the things that we fast on the outside are things that we don't need anyway. We need food. That's a, we got to have food or you can't live. So food should be a part of your fast. Uh, let me wind it down a little bit and say this. New York Times had an article a while back that said fasting is now fashionable among, not, it's not Christian fasting, this is just fasting. Uh, there's people go to these lux- luxury wellness retreats and spend thousands of dollars and to detoxify, detoxify their brain, their emotions, their physical being, all these other, they're, they're trying to get healing that way. And it said, uh, one of them I looked up was called the Pritikin Luxury Wellness Retreat for $9,214. You can go there and they'll help you do without food. They'll give you some uh, herbal teas to drink, blended soups and things like that. And they say, those that go to their clinic, 83% will no longer need blood pressure medicine. 45% no longer need chronic, uh, no longer have chronic inflammation. 75% 75% eliminate diabetes medications. 23% reduce LDL cholesterol. Uh, the average person loses 9 pounds and all this for $9,214. Fasting is fashionable among Hollywood and people like that too. They do these things. Well, first of all, we're going to save you $9,214. <laughs> so somebody say amen to that. All right. So you're not going to have to spend that. Uh, but... We're going to do it for a different reason because we're hungry for God. We're humbling ourselves before God. We're needing God to come through in situations that's been too long like they are. Uh, Now, what about fasting things that are not food? I'm not against that. I just think food needs to be a part of it. Here's some things uh, Richard Foster wrote down that some people need to fast. We need to fast some people in our lives. Jesus had to get away from the crowd sometimes. Sometimes he had to get away from his disciples. Sometimes we might need to fast some relationships that has too much hold on us. We need to fast the media. That'd be a good thing to fast. You know, yeah, but I don't want to be uninformed, me either, but I don't want to be misinformed either. And that's worse than being uninformed. Uh, there's a lot of deception today. Sometimes we need to fast. Ooh, can you imagine social media? Can you imagine telling a young person or some people you couldn't have your phone for 21 days? Uh, life wouldn't be worth living. Uh, Richard Foster says he knows a lot of people, they're praying, and if they're 
phone goes off like somebody texting them or something, they'll stop praying, put God on hold because they want to see what somebody else says. That's how deep our walk and our prayer life is usually. Okay, uh, we need to fast things like this. Now, let me say this. If you cut back on food and you don't seek God in any way, you're just dieting. If you skip breakfast and lunch, but you pig out and eat three times more at supper, you're kind of fooling yourself. If you fast television, and I'm not going to watch television, but now I'm going to spend all that time on the Internet, you're kind of playing games. You know, you say, yeah, but that other stuff's hard. I know it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be hard. It's not easy. It's depending on how hard you want to get a hold of God. And a lot of times it's just showing God that you're willing to humble yourself because there's something more important to you than food and things like that. Now, 21 days we're going to allow, will allow God to show up in a special way in your life. Maybe not instantly, but sometime during 2024, I believe God's going to show you some things he didn't show you before. There, I've told you this before in years gone by. There's a plant called a Chinese bamboo tree. You plant that tree, water it, fertilize it, and it won't even come up the first year. It won't even come up the second, third, fourth year. On the fifth year, it'll sprout, and it'll grow 90 feet in six weeks. You almost have to get out of the way of the thing. You can see it growing up. But it didn't do anything in the first number of years. A lot of times, the things we're praying about may take some time. But I believe God's moving and God's working on things if we give him a chance. Now, we tell people when it comes to fasting food, if you've got health issues, consult your doctor before you just start eliminating everything uh, on your own. I'm going to say this, 2024 is probably going to be a tumultuous year. Why? Because it's election year. And the world got some crazy people in our country. And they're, they're telling what's going to happen. We already see the Middle East is a ticking time bomb. I was reading a prophecy magazine the other day. It said, could be a man of peace may come up with a solution over there. Watch what's going on. We are, I talked about for 12 weeks, six weeks, about AI. Artificial intelligence, how our world's changing. And AI is good and bad. It's got some great things, got some bad things. But our world's changing rapidly, not, not decades from now. Days, day by day it changes. Uh, of course, we all got souls and family members, loved ones, that we're not sure if they're ready to meet Jesus and Jesus is coming. Praying and fasting for 21 days. I know it's not something everybody's just looking forward to but may be what we need more than what we want so I want you to stand with me I want you to make your way down to the altar as a church we do this as a church body we don't tell anybody what they have to fast that's between you and the Lord what you need to be praying about that's between whatever the Lord puts on your heart but we're going to do this as a church and we're going to do it as a the family of God. We're all in this together. Because we believe God's going to answer prayers. And God's going to move mountains. Because the congregation, the assembly, set aside a day of 
21 days of prayer and fasting for God to show up. So I want us, as we right now, let's just agree together. Let's call on his name and ask God to not only show us what we need to be praying and fasting about, but help us show us what we need to be fasting and give us the strength, the humility, the broken heart to where we can fast and God can pour in us because we've gotten rid of a lot of flesh and a lot of carnality that stood in our way. Would you join me, Heavenly Father? Here we are. Here we are at the end of another year, beginning of one. Who knows what tomorrow holds? You hold tomorrow, though. You hold us in the palm of your hand. You know what we're going to face. This can be the greatest year for the church if God's people are where they need to be with you, or it could be defeat after defeat for the church or the people of God if they're weak and full of themselves and not allowing the Spirit of God to have His way in our life. Lord, you see every heart, every home, every house represented here. Couples, marriages, families. We all say, Lord, we need you. We need you. If we've ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. And God, I pray every heart and every life, if we set aside and dedicate ourselves to you, consecrate ourselves to you, we pray, God, not only a fast that will change our world, but change this world that we're living in. Lord God, break every bondage and every yoke. Set us free. Make us whole. And truly do a work in us as well as through us and for us. May we come out on the other side saying, it was good to be in the presence of God and to see God do something in my life. Thank you, Lord, for what's going to take place. We thank you in advance for the prayers that are going to be answered. We thank you for the bondages that will be broken, the lives that will be changed, those coming into the kingdom of God, those being set free by the power of God. May this truly be a time of rejoicing. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Set aside a time for prayer and fasting. 21 days starting at midnight Tuesday night.